0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. You know, when I first thought of doing a podcast, my original concept was a pod I was going to call Things I Wish I Could Say. And the thought would be is you'd bring guests on, guarantee their anonymity, and then let them tell whatever their story was. For you older folks in the audience, the drudge report of podcasts, if you will. And that's was kind of my concept. I didn't really think through that when you start a podcast and no one knows who you are, it's kind of hard to get people to come on and remain anonymous. So we we started Chuck Yates needs a job, and really appreciate you guys listening. We've used the concept a little bit in that we've had seven anonymous Twitter accounts come onto the podcast, and so far no one's been doxed for coming on to the podcast, See Mr. Skilling. It's, uh, it's safe, so you can do it. And so we've had a little bit of that and built some success doing that. And uh, I just give you that as a backdrop because I'd love to do that, uh, this concept of anonymity, more on the podcast just because I think it's somewhat freeing and all. But I thought I should tell you guys this. I got an email about five weeks ago and it was a little strange because it was to my email address that I use only on LinkedIn. So they obviously got it off LinkedIn. And a bit of a strange email, kind of read English, but it, it sounded a little weird. But they basically said that they really liked the Pizzagate episode, which kind of laughed at. And then they said, I will show you where the lobsters live in the winter, dot, 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 dot. Signed Kitscha. And anyway, I thought that was a little weird, but I do what I always do. I responded back, thanks, I really appreciate it. And then a few more emails came back and this is where it got weird.
1: drop. Oh, we poured a glass of vino because Chuck Yates needs a job.
0: So as I emailed back and forth with Kitcha and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, K-I-T-C-H-A, as we emailed back and forth, it became apparent Kitschka was very fascinated with Russia and spent a lot of time talking about Putin and all. Not a big thing when you're here and a domestic oil and gas guy, but tangentially we think about Russia and their place in the world oil community. So I was able to somewhat have the discussion back. But it was interesting in that Kitschka sent an email talking about what did Putin learn from the U.S. shale revolution. And I hadn't really thought much about that. And so, not wanting to seem like an idiot, given that I'm a podcast host trying to build an audience, I actually spent some time Googling uh, stuff. And I found this speech from Tatiana Mitrova. She's a non-resident fellow at the... Columbia SEPA Center on Global Energy Policy, where she was talking about the U.S. shale revolution and um, its impacts on Russia. And so I thought I'd play you just a clip for it real quick.
2: Until recently, the impact of the U.S. LNG on the Russian gas export strategy was more, how to say, it was a bit theoretical, So the influence was there, definitely, but it was not a direct competition of the US and Russian gas molecules. It was more anticipation and expectation that US LNG will come to the market. And this expectation, this psychological factor itself has made a lot in transforming the global gas environment and Russian gas export strategy. So first of all, the first example was the huge Stockman project, which Russia was carrying on. And the stakes were really high. The project was supposed uh, to produce up to 75 million tons of LNG, one project, so you can imagine. Um, and it was all targeted at the U.S. market. But then shale revolution happened and the U.S. became self-sufficient in gas. So uh, the project, which is quite expensive and technologically challenging, it was stopped.
0: So listening to Dr. Mitrov's speech, she goes on. Um, With many more examples of exactly how the shale revolution and more so the perception, not necessarily the actual gas volumes, but the U.S. and Russia, instead of being the two leading producers of natural gas in the world, actually potentially being competitors, she talked about just how it had changed Putin's world And really how it had damaged Putin. Because at the end of the day, his biggest weapon is providing natural gas to Europe. That's his big revenue source. That's where he gets hard currency and the like. And so definitely a big lesson for Putin in the mid-2000s to, you know, call it 2010, 2012, sort of before oil collapsed. He learned a very important lesson that U.S. independence, U.S. energy growth was really bad for him and damaging in a big way. And so anyway, I typed back to Kitschia. Yeah, it fucked him over royally, didn't it? So Kitschia emailed back, Chuck, you're now ready to look into the truth size. I wasn't really sure what that meant, but it kind of made sense. It's probably a Russian idiom, you know, now you're ready to face the truth or something. And so I took the bait and said, all right, lay it on me. And he actually emailed back, do you know what the biggest threat to Putin is? And I emailed back, well, of course, it's the United States. It's our nuclear arsenal. It's our economy. It's, you know, our culture that so pervades the world. He actually Keith actually emailed back. No. The biggest threat to Russia and Putin is Greta.
3: Но когда детей и подростков кто-то использует в своих интересах, это достойно только осуждения. Ведь никто, говорит, не объяснил, что современный мир сложен, многообразен, быстро развивается.
0: I know you can't see the subtitles on that, but that was actually Vladimir Putin speaking, and he was responding to the question, what did you think of Greta Thunberg's speech at the United Nations? And he basically said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, Greta is a misguided child. She is being led around by adults. She is foolish. She knows Nothing when it comes to science. So anyway, I'm not sure I perfectly understood what Kitschtail was saying. And I emailed back, what do you mean by that? Who cares? She's 16 years old. Time magazine, I could be on the cover of. Who cares? And I never got a response back. It went about a week, which was fine. I was busy working on the Evolve conference and the like. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning... My phone rang. I looked down at my screen and it said unknown number, which normally I wouldn't answer, but it is three in the morning and you just worry when the phone rings at three. So I answered the phone and it was really broken up. There was a lot of static on it and I heard a voice say, Chuck, it is Kitshta. I must admit I was a little freaked out at that point because it was three in the morning and I was just waking up plus broken voice, foreign accent. I mean, I saw Rocky IV where he fought Ivan Drago. And uh, so I recognized the accent as I thought was Russian. And I, of course, kind of said back, "Uh, Hi, hey, uh, how are you? And he said, Chuck, I've been thinking about your question, and I don't understand how you cannot see this and i was like see what and he goes greta greta is the biggest threat to putin and his existence and i was like uh, okay i'm i'm willing to buy that you know just tell me why and he said chuck i want you to think about it and he hung up so i was really freaked out at this point i mean i'm not going to sleep the rest of the night i actually went and hate to admit this, but I grabbed my shotgun and locked myself in my closet. Just somebody's found my email address. Okay, that's on LinkedIn. They found my cell phone number. Okay, that may or may not be on LinkedIn. I think it's also on Facebook. So it's not the strangest thing in the world, but it was pretty eerie. And like I said, just the accent got to me. And so a little freaked out that night the spent, you know, the next day or two kind of thinking about it, didn't hear anything. And so kind of moved on from it. We literally, that was the day before we headed, head to the Evolve conference. So I spent the next couple of days in Chattanooga. Then, as you guys know, following me on Twitter, I actually went on tour with Lindsay. So I was away from my house. So I was kind of felt safe given that I wasn't at home. And so I got back to Richmond Hung out a few days, and then my phone rang again. Again, unknown caller. Little trepidation, but then it was two thirty in the afternoon, so I was like, "Ah, oh, okay." Picked up the phone and I said, "Hello." Again, a lot of distortion in the back. Not sure exactly what was going on, um, and the foreign accent. Chuck, this is Kitcha. Have you thought about what we talked about with Greta? And I said, "Well, I have I don't understand it really." Uh, but we wound up talking for an hour and a half. And after he told his story for about 10 minutes, I said, "Kitschik, can I record this? Can I, you know, record what we're saying?" And he said, "Yes, I really need you to, Chuck." So I've recorded this conversation with Kitschik. He's called back a few times. He's had his partner on. And this is these are the recordings I was able to make.
3: I am Keisha. In my undergrad work, I, I was always fascinated with global v- warming. And I had a great opportunity to work with great female Russian scientist at Tomsk State University, we had working on the carbon capture process. The process, basically, oxygen of the CO2 reacts with a cis-platinum-based alloy that captures CO2 in a form that ultimately separates out the carbon. An agent is applied that removes the carbon and graphite sheets. The agent to making process affordable was the perfecting of the hour. You see, this professor of mine was uh,
0: August 8th. It's very bad. Ketchka, what's August 8th?
2: An investigation team meets near a military facility in Russia's far north. Moscow says they're investigating the explosion of a rocket engine at Nunezka. The site is used for testing missiles for the Russian Navy. Russia's state nuclear company said staff members died in the blast, while U.S. analysts suggest it was likely a new nuclear-powered cruise missile that President Putin said Russia was producing in March last year.
0: So next time Kitschik called back, I actually said August 8th, hey, I looked it up, 2019, it said five Russian scientists died at an unnamed weapons facility. No.
3: There was only four. No. There was I only was four. the fifth, but I didn't die. I was left scared. So I called my good friend, Bogdan. So I my good friend. He was a college roommate. He came to Russia. And he helped me escape. And it was only after further discussing Bogdan that I learned the real truth.
0: I sent a few emails. I didn't hear anything back. Then four days later, 3.30 in the morning, my phone rang. Startled me, looked down, unknown caller. So I answered my phone. Kitcha.
1: No, this is Bogdan. Is Kichka okay? Kicha alive. He's not well.
0: He said I could trust you. Y- yeah yeah you can trust me what's what's going on
1: future and i need you to tell
0: story can
1: you tell story
0: yeah but i don't, i don't get what your story is i mean it i it, okay he escaped uh a, a bomb that was supposed to go or an explosion in a factory but i don't get it Chuck,
1: how do you know pluton blew up technology to save Russia. He blew up capture for oil. What he did not realize that Bogdan figured out was technical medium in oil in Russia. Make it not capture. Only oils outside Russia can go through the process.
0: Tinium? I mean... What's tenium? The medium is an element only found in Russia from literate impact. The matter is
1: that you tell story. We found a way to capture from oil. We need story told. We, we can't tell Putin is after us. You,
0: you've you got to be shitting me. You're sitting here telling me the Russians have come up with capture Such that the world could burn all the hydrocarbons they want to. But it just doesn't work on Russian oil and so... Holy shit, are you serious?
1: This is why we need you to tell the story. We can't tell...
0: Holy shit.
1: We need your help, Chuck. We need you to help us share the technology.
0: Dude, I'm a podcaster that on a good day gets 5,000 downloads.
1: You are best hope to let people know the technology exists. Let us all must go now.
0: After he hung up, I was stunned. But I did Google Technidium, and I read about it. It's not found on the planet Earth. It's extraterrestrial. So for it to be on Earth, a meteorite would have had to hit the Earth with it. Although it is a byproduct of nuclear waste, and so that is why it's present here on uh, the planet. And it makes sense, given that Stalin tested the Russian nukes all over the country, it makes sense why it's found in Russian oil. I found this little blurb about it, so I'll go ahead and play this for you.
3: Technetium is the first element in the periodic table which is naturally radioactive. So it is the lightest radioactive element. And so for a long time, very little was known about it. Now people are beginning to study it in suitably strong um, surroundings of, um, to contain the radioactivity. And they have discovered that the chemistry of technetium is in many ways quite similar to that of rhenium or manganese.
0: Two days later, I woke up and I actually had this voicemail. Chuck, with what I know,
3: I'm not safe. You must talk to Bogdan
0: from here on out. I immediately sent him an email and it got kicked back.